Hello and welcome to the Locked on Flyers podcast for Tuesday, September 15th. Your daily dose of Flyers news, analysis, and high-quality content. That is a hockey podcast, but for all the Eagles fans out there, I'm so sorry for Sunday. It was brutal to watch. <laughs> I feel like you still have to say go birds, though. Oh, for sure. It's a it's a hard go birds, but oh, man, it got a little bit reminded me of the old Flyers. Get the lead early, oh, no. sit back, and then just <laughs> let the other team win. So It's hard uh, to say, like, I would like to shake my fist at the Washington football team. Like, it just doesn't roll off the tongue <laughs> nicely either. No, no. And the announcers were stumbling themselves. So, uh, but I mean, listen, hats off to, to the Washington football team for changing their name. And only that, not for the win. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So getting back into hockey, Locked on Flyers is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, honestly, wherever you get your podcasts. So subscribe to get all of our episodes here on the Locked on Sports Network. We're your hosts. I'm Danielle. And I'm Rachel. And today we are going to talk about Alan Vigneault's postseason comments because he met with the media. And then we are going to do a fun RFA, UFA season slash playoff grades. Because, I mean, we definitely have some question marks, but we got to evaluate their season to see if, you know, is it even worth resigning? Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Locked on Flyers so you can share and retweet our podcast with your friends and send us any questions for our weekly mailbag, which we have this Wednesday. And just let us know how you're doing uh, and how your Flyers feelings are. You can also email us at LockedOnFlyers at gmail.com. So let's jump into AV's postseason wrap up. Now, before we jump into these uh, comments... Charlie O'Connor stated this on Twitter, and I tend to agree with him. He said, we shouldn't really put too much stock into AV's comments just because AV didn't even have any exit interviews after the, uh, the Islanders series. Um, he wanted to speak with the players first before talking about specific details that he like that a certain player may need to improve. So his comments comments are pretty generic. But I still think they give us a a little insight into where he's feeling with the team, the vets, the the rookies, and the younger players. So let's jump right in. Starting with the captain, uh, A.V. said that Drew takes care of himself physically but needs to find a way to slow the effects of aging uh, with some changes in routine. And the same for JVR and Voracek. But A.V. also made it clear to follow up with that question that he's not questioning Drew's willingness to take care of his body or his conditioning. His point is that as guys get older, they need to do different things to slow down the natural aging process, which I think that's fair. Yeah, it's also very like I feel really old now if we're thinking (laughs) of Claude Giroux and Jake Voracek as like old dudes, right? (laughs) That is that's fair. Yeah, I mean... This team is so young, though, so it's like kind of like they are the older guys, but they're not old. And then A.V. also followed up in saying that he has no doubt about Drew's will and has plenty of opportunity during this offseason to really work on his conditioning. Um, but there are some other areas that A.V. thinks that he can help him with. As for JVR, uh, A.V. was asked about JVR's fit in the Flyers lineup moving forward. A.V. said that It's possible no one on this team understands the game better than JVR. He commented on his ability to break down the game on the bench, but he said that his consistency was the real issue for him this season. 
Which I think, you know what, a lot of Flyers fans would agree with. I think that JVR would agree, too. So I I think that he's probably harder on himself than any Flyers fan could be on him. And that it's good that AV has confidence in him in terms of his, you know, fitness and his approach to preparing for the game. It's just a matter of the execution. I completely agree. And I mean, when we had Colby on the show, Colby Cohen, if you guys haven't listened, it was last week um, we had Colby on the show and he specifically talked about JVR and like the effort that he puts into his nutrition and his training. And here AV is talking about how he breaks down the game. So, I mean, there's so many positives about JVR and I know it's frustrating for a lot of fans and even myself that he is a little bit uh, streaky with his goal scoring and and the consistency of his play. But there are so many upsides that if, you know, the Flyers do choose to keep JVR, he could really be a difference maker for this team, especially if he's on the third line. Yeah, I think it will obviously depend on how the roster shakes out in terms of, you know, where a place for him might be. But I don't think that he's a player that you necessarily build around either. So it's, it'll be interesting to see kind of how this offseason progresses in terms of will there be a place for him or is he a placeholder because of the expansion draft, let's say. Yeah, that's a really good point. Okay, so moving into uh, talking about the kids AV said that he hasn't seen Nolan Patrick play except for drills, but with Limblom, he hopes to get him back to the level that he was before he was diagnosed with Ewing sarcoma. I, I honestly, after seeing Limblom in those two games that we did, I think that's fair that he, he can get back to his, his level because at the end of the second game, I thought that he was probably one of the best flyers out on the ice, which probably isn't saying much because the team did not look great as a whole, one of the best things about Oscar is his dedication. He's always, it's kind of like NAK. He's always going. Like you can tell he's always trying 100% whenever he's out on the ice. Yeah, I just don't see any reason to doubt that Limblom will get back to where he was, if not better, because he was on a trajectory to really take off this past season. And just judging by how hard he works and, like you said, how good he managed to look after that much time away and only two games I think that you know we have nowhere to go but up with him completely agree with that and then AV said that we have a lot of young players who are pushing and need opportunity to show they can make it in this league I don't know when we'll start next season but now is a great chance to work on those things and then he also talked about Sam Moran saying that Sam right that guy (laughs) (laughs) Sam Moran needs to play in the AHL for 50 to 60 games before he'd be a realistic NHL option considering all the time that he's missed. Now, I don't know if that if someone specifically asked about Sam Moran, but I I I genuinely don't even know why he was brought up. I know that may sound really mean to say, but like A.V. said, he he needs like a full season in the AHL before we can even think of him as a possibility to play for the Flyers. And just even depth wise, like, you know, if they if they move out Ghost, if they don't, if they re-sign Hag, if they don't, I mean, you still have Mark Friedman, who is basically NHL ready. Yeah, I'm glad to hear that that's what their assessment of Sam Moran is. I mean, I feel bad for him, of course, because of everything that he's been through. But, you know, I think that his name would come up in the context of if they don't 
re-sign Braun and Haig and you know like yeah. where's where are they going to backfill from and I could see that's where his name might come up but Samaran is not the solution here there yeah. like you said there's other in the system options that we have to move up the depth chart a little bit and then you know because I, I see them moving Friedman up and potentially signing a free agent defenseman along the lines of a Justin Braun if it comes to the point where, you know, Braun's gone, Haig's gone, Ghost is Ghost. gone, and we're depending on Sam Moran, like, Rachel, we need no. to have Chuck on the <laughs> podcast and discuss what went wrong. Yes. <laughs> okay, so like we said in the start of the show, Sunday was like the start of football, and I did not leave my couch at all. I think I watched every single game, and the reason why I didn't leave my couch is because I used DoorDash. Now, DoorDash is the best because it has something for everyone. So for lunch, I could order Chinese and then for dinner, I could order pizza and still be in the safety of my own home, supporting my local restaurants in my community that definitely need help about right now. Anything that you're craving, like your Chinese, like your pizza that you just said, I'm a Thai food girl myself. (laughs) So when I open the DoorDash app, I choose that Thai food first off, and then it's delivered right outside my door with their contactless delivery drop-off setting. They have over 300,000 restaurant partners in the U.S., Puerto Rico, Canada, and even Australia. So you can support your local establishments or choose from your favorite national chain restaurants like Chipotle or Wendy's or the Cheesecake Factory. Yeah, and right now our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code LOCKEDONNHL. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code LOCKEDONNHL. Don't forget, that's code LOCKEDONNHL for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. So Rachel, it was about that time that I needed to get my car inspected. And instead of going to like Firestone, I decided to do it myself. I looked on um, rockauto.com and got just a few little tune-up pieces that I needed for my car. And it was amazing. One, I did it myself and that was, I felt very accomplished, but also rockauto.com their prices were so low and honestly they are the same for everyone rockauto.com offers the lowest prices rather than changing prices based off what the market will bear like airlines do rockauto.com is for everyone and didn't even require a membership or an account login rockauto.com is a family business and they've been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years and that's one of the reasons why i trust them when i'm looking to buy an auto part if you go to rockauto.com they have auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers everything from engine control modules brake parts tail lamps motor oil even new carpet and you can get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door Best of all, like I said, the prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for everyone. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com All right, so like we said in the start of the show, Next, we're going to start looking at the RFAs and the UFAs and grading their seasons. 
So let's start off with the RFAs. Like we said in the previous episodes, the RFAs for the Flyers are, of course, Nolan Patrick, Nick Albay Kubel, Phil Myers, and Robert Haig. I think we'll give Nolan Patrick a pass. I think that's fair. Like, we'll call that an incomplete. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now going on to NAK. In the 2019-20 season, he played 36 games and had seven goals, eight assists for 15 points. I don't know why it feels like it was more than 36 games, but it did take him a long time to get called up, which now that we think about it is such a head scratcher. As for the playoffs, he played in 13 games and had two goals, one assist for three points. So what's your regular season and playoff grade? Or you can put them together and have one final grade for him throughout this whole season. I'm kind of a tough grader just because (laughs) I feel like, you know, there's always room to improve. So you Mm -hmm. never really want to give somebody like an A plus, for instance. Yeah. Unless, like, they were just crazy good that year and, like, won the Hart Trophy and all. But that being said, I think you you also have to weigh, you know, expectation versus, you know, yeah. execution. And so I think for NAK, I, I wouldn't say the expectations were low, but it wasn't clear whether or not he was going to be given the opportunity to crack this lineup. And when he did, he held on to it and gave everybody reason to to keep him in the lineup and he just never faltered after that and with his tenacious play even though you know he may not have as many points as some other players may have I just feel like the way he approaches the game and the way that he takes whatever opportunity he's given and makes the most of it I think that you know I I would give him a solid B plus I think that's really fair, especially when you break it down like that. I think for myself, I would have given him a B, just like a solid B, because he was solid. Um, You know, I I feel like I'm maybe a little bit too partial, so I tried to be impartial in my grading. But you're right. As a bottom six player, NAK was solid, and I can see that B+. I think for myself, I'm going to stick with a B. All right, let's move on to Phil Myers. He played in 50 games, had four goals, 12 assists for 16 points. In the playoffs, he played in 16 games, had three goals, one assist for four points. What do you think? Phil, man, uh, it's it's a tough grade because it's hard for me to grade him individually rather than as the pairing of Sanheim and Myers, you know, (laughs) in some ways, because I think they were a very successful pairing. And Phil Myers, I think, you know, some elements of his game were revealed this season Mm -hmm. that maybe we hadn't seen as much in terms of him being involved in the offense and having like a really great shot that maybe people didn't expect. But I also think some of his defensive weaknesses were exposed, especially in the playoffs. I think he made a couple of really key mistakes that are really good learning experiences, but also not a great look. So, you know, I'm. I'm going to give him like a B minus. I think that's fair. I, for myself, I think that I, I think I ended up being a little bit more biased than I would like to be on uh, Phil. But I think for me, altogether in the playoffs and in the regular season, I think I would give him a solid B. 
I thought that in the regular season, he did really good. I think by the end of the season, he was really getting his footing or not by the end of the season, before the season stopped or was paused. He was getting his footing. He was really creating consistency with his D partner and he was getting some confidence. And, um, you know, a player like Phil, when he has confidence, he really can transform uh, your team. So I think for me, I'd say a B. You're you're definitely right about the postseason. It wasn't his best, but definitely a learning experience. And I can't be a little bit too hard on him because this was his first experience. I think like for a first year in a kind of prime defensive role, he did really well. But I think there's a lot of room for improvement. Which hopefully he will in the upcoming year. All right, now let's go to Robert Haig which this was a hard one for me. <laughs> uh, Haig played 49 games and had three goal or yeah, three goals, 10 assists for 13 points. Uh, and in the playoffs, he played 12 games and had three assists. What do you think, Rachel? First off, he was never brought in to score goals. So you can't really look at his production and rate him on that. I think you really need to rate him on his pure defensive play and how he plays as a defensive partner, I think are the two main things you look at with him and like what situations was he used in and did he perform well in those situations? And I think that people want to like rag on him a lot and it's fair a lot of the time, but some of the time he actually plays pretty well and does his job. So, you know, while I don't think he's the greatest defenseman in the world, I think that he He does what he does at a decent level. And so I would call him an NHL defenseman, which to me means a C grade. I think that's fair. Definitely. I, for myself, you know, I'm definitely one of the people who were not a Robert Haig fan in the regular season and honestly, some of the uh, postseason. But I do see where Haig has his, like where where it's beneficial to have him in the lineup. You're right. I don't, I don't think it's fair to just look at him point production wise. And I'm comfortable with him on the third pair. I, and, and that's where he was. It wasn't like he was like Andrew McDonald getting uh, top pairing minutes. So I think for myself, I'd give him a C plus. Um, I think what adds the plus for me was the playoffs and <laughs> every like all the hits he made in the Islanders series because sure. I, I I needed that. <laughs> so um, listen, he had a couple of good games in the playoffs he, that he stood out as having yeah. good games and making like plays plays that you you didn't think that or I wouldn't have expected from Robert Haig. So yeah, I think a C plus for me is probably the the highest I can get give Hayes, but uh, Haig. But I'm surprised. I'm surprising myself. So it's very easy for us to talk about hockey and talk about and give players grades and talk about the offseason moves. But talking about erectile dysfunction is a little different. It's not easy, but we're here talking about it. And while we aren't the best people to talk to, the people at Roman are. Roman provides real healthcare professionals who can prescribe real medication. It's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. And if medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. To get started, it's simple. 
go to getroman.com slash LockedOnNHL today. If approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. That's GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNHL. GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNHL. All right, let's move on to the UFAs. First, let's start with Brian Elliott. He played in 31 games in the 2019-20 season and had a goals against average of 2.87 and then a save percentage of 0.899. In the playoffs, he played in three games and had a goals against average of 2.15 and a save percentage of 9.11. What's your grade for Elliot? This is a tough one because the gut I feeling I have about Brian Elliott doesn't exactly match the numbers sometimes where he just had a couple of real bad clunkers that I think are affecting mm-hmm. like some of these averages. But overall, I think that he did really well for the Flyers this year and I think was a perfect partner for Carter Hart in terms of having, you know, being a, a mentor and supporting him but also being a really effective goaltender in a lot of situations. And I think that, you know, it's, it was probably a tough role to fill knowing that you have this kid who is like the bright future of the franchise. Right. <laughs> and, and you just have to be there to do your job and do it well. And, and he did that. That's exactly what he did. And while it wasn't always a hundred percent successful, it was, I think the vast majority of the time and he was able to jump in in you know the round robin and in the playoffs when necessary and and perform pretty decently so you know I think that like I I think my my head wants to give him a b minus but my heart wants to bump it up to a b (laughs) I think that's fair definitely either one I think with Elliot you definitely have to remember like you said what is his role on the team and how he went about it. And you're absolutely right. I think when I was looking up his numbers, I was like, oh, Elliot, I was not expecting that. But like you brought up, there were there were some clunkers that was not his fault, but he got I mean, obviously, you know, the goalie gets the win or the loss and his numbers are affected by that. But I think overall, Elliot was solid. He did everything that we really needed him to do. And I think I'm I may be, you know, cheating here, but just thinking about how much he supports Carter Hart, that's so important to his development and his growth. So I think for myself, I'd give Elliot a B. All right, let's move on to Justin Braun. He played in 62 games and had three goals, 16 assists for 19 points. In the playoffs, he played in 16 games and had two assists. What's your grade for Braun? Oof. <laughs> I don't even know because here's the thing is that I think Braun did pretty well for like the vast majority of the regular season, but like things went south (laughs) and like really abruptly and really uncomfortably, you know, I want to say like maybe a C plus. I think that's fair with Braun. You're right. Like during the regular season, there was a lot of, good that he did and I thought that I mean obviously he transformed or helped transform the penalty kill but then in the playoffs it just seemed like a, like when it was bad it was bad and some of that's not his fault because I felt like you know 
the first the top the top two defensive pairings were set in stone and so he kind of got whoever was uh rotating in at the moment so that's always tough especially when you're on a new team you're switching out defensive partners so I, I do give him a little leeway I think for myself I'd probably give him like a C plus as well just because yeah when it was good it was good but when it was bad it was bad all right moving on to Tyler Pitlick he played in 63 games this season and had eight goals, 12 assists for 20 points. In 16 playoff games, he had two goals, one assist for three points. What would you give Tyler Pitlick? It's so hard <laughs> to grade Tyler Pitlick because, again, God, I'm going to use the worst hockey analysis word <laughs> you will ever hear, and I apologize in advance for using this word, but the intangibles... Yes. Are so apparent. He just really shines, I think, and stands out in a bottom six in terms of his effort and, you know, just how he impacts everything that's going on on the ice when he's out there. He makes a mistake. He tries to make up for it almost immediately. He's involved in the play. He gets involved defensively like there's just so much to his game that's really good but he is a bottom sixer like let's not delude ourselves here so I think like if you're grading him on a bottom sixer or a fourth liner you know I I give him a B if you're gonna kind of look at him against an entire lineup probably a C I I agree with you there. I think that's that's really fair when thinking about Pitlick. I think for myself, I kind of just grade him on his season with the Flyers. The fact that he is a bottom sixer. He was not signed here to be in the top six. He, you didn't grab him because he's like a goal scorer. Um, so I think I'm, I grade him similar to NAK. And I thought Pitlick was super stable in where he was in his position. And he really stood out to me in in the playoffs when some nights when you could just tell that the top six wasn't going, you notice Pitlick on the ice, which probably isn't the best. um, And it didn't bode well for the Flyers. But I think he's a noticeable player. And like you said, he he's always trying to do the right thing, play the right way. And he makes up for his or tries to make up for his mistakes. So I think for me, I would have to give him like a B plus. All right, so let's get into some late arrivals. First, Nate Thompson. Uh, He played seven games with the Flyers and had one assist in those seven games and then played 16 playoff games and had one goal. What do you think about Nate Thompson? Yeah, Nate Thompson. Look, again, he's a role player, and I feel like you have to look at him the same way you would Robert Hake defensively when we were talking about the the RFAs that he's brought on to be, you know, a PK specialist to take face-offs. You know, he's not intended to be a high production guy and he's meant to center your fourth line. Like that's his job. And so I think that he made a lot of mistakes and he did some good things, but not, I think, enough good things overall to outweigh a lot of the bad things he did. I also think he was a scapegoat in a lot yeah. of cases when it was other people not performing, not necessarily Nate Thompson's mistakes, 
that were responsible for the Flyers being unsuccessful. So, you know, you got to take that into consideration as well. And so, again, I think he's a serviceable fourth line center in the NHL. So I'll give him a C. Yeah, you know, not a lot to go off of with in the regular season. I honestly just feel like I'm focusing so much on the postseason. But taking into account like his role on the team and not putting like the way that he was used is not his fault. I thought that he was serviceable. And so I probably would give him a C plus. Oh man. I feel like a teacher that like her favorite student just disappointed her and just turned into someone she doesn't even know. (laughs) Let's get to Derek Grant, who also played seven uh, games in the regular season for the Flyers. And in those games, he had one goal, four assists for five points. And in the playoffs, he played 15 games and had two assists. What would you grade Derek Grant? So I was trying to figure out in my head because, you know, we liked Derek Grant a lot in the few regular season games that we saw him play in. And, you know, he had some, you know, five points in in seven games is actually pretty good for, you know, bottom six forward and you know with the flyers and obviously he was used completely differently with anaheim so it's it's like it's kind of apples to pears here but the thing is is that based on how he performed in the playoffs which was not good in any way shape or form i think he was just not helpful to the lineup overall and didn't enhance any line he was on he he just looked like behind the play most of the time and so I was trying to figure out like what may have led to him being you know successful in that short stint in the regular season and I think part of my answer there is that JVR was injured and that he was being a substitute JVR in a lot of cases there so he was given some opportunities and you know power play time and 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 all of those things that he not necessarily would have gotten otherwise. And so the points, I think, maybe were more generously there than it would have been otherwise. And so I just have to say, like, overall, looking at his contribution to the Flyers, like, uh, it's a D. D for Derek. (laughs) I think, I mean, I, I, you know, it's hard because I was very, very high on Derek when he first got here. And, you know, I remember when he wasn't even with the Ducks and he was with his other former team. And I thought that he was a really useful center and especially a really good bottom six player. And I thought that we saw that with the Flyers, but it just disappeared in the postseason. And that was, I think, one of the jarring things. Like, obviously, we were focused on the top six or the star players not performing. But then even when Grant would get you know, third line minutes or, you know, fourth line minutes, get different opportunities. It just, he, like you said, he was behind on the play. He just didn't seem all there. And the fact that there was no, like at that we know of, there was no injury holding him back or that was neglecting um, or that he was playing through. So I think for me, I would probably give him a C minus or a C just because the regular season, I would have given him like an A. I thought he was a fantastic grab, but the playoffs really just tainted that for me. On a bad day, I give him a C and a, a, um, a C minus. On um, a good day, I give him a C. Still, just overall, just disappointed. <laughs> You're nicer than I am, though. <laughs> 
All right, to wrap up with our Flyers fun thing, we started off with the Eagles, and I promise we're, I'm not going to make us talk about the Eagles every episode, but I thought this was hilarious. The fl- the Flyers singing Fly, Eagles Fly. This is way back because in the video, Brandon Manning is in it, so you can just tell how old it is. <laughs> but it was so funny because Travis, Sanheim, and Konechny, um, Nolan Patrick's in it, Rod Kogutis and Ghost are in it, and it just... It's so funny and um, just so jarring to see how much this team has changed. (laughs) But uh, them singing Fly Eagles Fly and wishing the Eagles luck. And it just is a throwback to that time when the Eagles were actually good. So it's like you're (laughs) eating two birds with one stone. (laughs) It was a really funny video. So we will link that in the show notes for everyone just to give you a, a throwback on Tuesday. With that, we want to thank everyone for listening to today's show. We will be back again tomorrow, which is Wednesday. So we have our mailbag. Make sure you get your questions in. You can send us in via Twitter at LockedOnFlyers or LockedOnFlyers at gmail.com. I'm Danielle. You can find me on Twitter at Danielle underscore Nick. That's Danielle underscore N-I-C-C. And I'm Rachel. I'm on Twitter at rmiriam. That's R-M-I-R-I-A-M. Now tune into the most recent episode of Locked on NHL.